we can keep talking about technology, you know, all of these around generative AI, how it is changing the world. But let's not forget that, you know, there are human beings at the, at the center of it, right? And that's the, that's the high-functioning, high-caliber team that we are talking about. When it comes to our world, this world of AI, uh, machine learning, analytics, uh, we are definitely talking about a specific kind of talent, a specific kind of team, right? It is, it is a you know, very, very higher order. Welcome to the Data Bytes podcast and happy Friday. Thanks so much for making the time to join us and chat today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Sally. I'm super excited about the topic we're going to be discussing about building high functional teams in analytics and AI because as everyone knows, generative AI has taken over the world and AI has taken over the world right now in terms of what individuals seem to be talking about. And while we have some of the core technology and can see the results of this, we all know the tricky part is implementing it into your business, right? And the application of that. And while the technology is good, you can't do any of this without high functioning and high caliber teams. So I know you have, you know, over 25 years of experience leading high functioning teams. You're the CEO and co-founder of the math company where you help enterprise organizations implement AI and use analytics. What can you tell us in terms of lessons you've learned through the years of what's been instrumental for you in building these high caliber teams in the analytics industry? Thank you, Sadie. You have um, you know, asked a question which is very close to my heart. Uh, I can I can go on for days and weeks talking about it, but I will you know keep to the gist of it. Um, look, as you said, you know we can keep talking about technology, you know all of these around generative AI, how it is changing the world. But let's not forget that you know there are human beings at the at the center of it, right? And that's the that's the high functioning, high caliber team that we are talking about. Now, when it comes to our world, this world of AI, uh, machine learning, analytics, uh, we are definitely talking about, uh, you know, very, a, a specific kind of talent, a specific kind of team, right? It is, it is a, you know, very, very higher order, high quality team. Now, what, what has, what I have learned over these years, uh, I would love to share a few of those, right? Uh, uh, with, with all of, all of you who is listening to this, uh, podcast, um, the the driving force for me had been what you know Daniel Pink. I'm, I'm sure you know kind of many of you here would be uh, a big fan. I, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Uh, you know Daniel Pink has done some phenomenal work understanding human behavior, human psychology. Um, so so he had this whole notion of AMP, right? I mean Daniel Pink's AMP, you know, kind of is well researched. But uh, and I'll, I'll I'll elaborate on that. Uh, A stands for autonomy. M stands for mastery and P stands for purpose. Uh, why building a high-functioning team? Uh, these are some of the basic building blocks, right? How do you how do you create an environment where people feel empowered? I think it's extremely important, right? Uh, people need to feel empowered. They need to feel that look, I can you know figure out my, you know, kind of best path instead of being told what it is, right? So you need to do that. Uh, mastery, in, and I can't emphasize more on that, that, you know, how do you become really, really good at something? 
and and now that you, you spoke about JAI to start with, I know the whole world is talking about it. It's directly connected to this whole idea of mastery because mastery also means a constant learning effort, mastering newer and newer skills, newer and newer techniques, newer areas of knowledge, right, on an ongoing basis. So, so it it is it was always very important, and it becomes even more important in in today's world, right? So that's that's mastery for you and and purpose. Uh, you know, the heart of everything is about why am I doing what I'm doing, right? Um, and and we keep telling people, and and that's that's what is the basis for motivation, for passion. Everything that we talk about is all driven by purpose. Why am I doing this, right? And, 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 you know, the, the purpose can be very different. What motivates people? Somebody gets motivated when they feel that, okay, I am changing the world. Somebody feels very motivated when they feel that, look, I am, I am innovating a newer kind of uh, solution to help one of these large enterprises to change the way they price their product. So, so there could be many different ways. And then you have to find out, you know, kind of what the right nerve to hit is, right, for, for individuals. But, but purpose of work is very, very, very important. I can't emphasize more on that. So, yeah, so there you go. Autonomy, mastery, purpose. I, I think if you can constantly focus on that, think about it, you will build a high caliber team. The only other thing that I also want to mention is this is only when you have the team put in place. But another big question comes up that how do you identify the right team members? How do you, you know, kind of filter and bring the the best of the lot and my again my experience is that you know um, we can keep looking at you know technical skills right so who is you know kind of technically superior and things like that but um you know that that is an area that that can be taught or that is an area that people can learn i think what you need is a fundamental quality of what i call as curiosity so if you can bring in curious individuals into the team Really, really curious, right? Constantly asking questions. Why is it like this? Why is it like that? What happens after this? I, I think I think you have a bigger side of the problem at risk. I think curiosity is very, very key. And then you build on this autonomy, mastery, and purpose. There goes your high-functioning, high calibre. So I love that you mentioned hiring practices, right? Because immediately when I was thinking about this framework of autonomy, mastery, and purpose, and even the added on of curiosity, you know, so the ones of autonomy is not something you essentially hire for. That's the framework you set as a leader to give your individuals autonomy. And I would assume purpose is similar, right? You hope to find that when you're interviewing people, individuals who have the same vision that you have for the company, um, but mastery seems like something that you can hire for. Would you agree that that's something you, when you're hiring to bring in new individuals for your team, you're looking that they already have that mastery? Or is that something that we should be as leaders saying, it's okay if you don't have that mastery today, but we'll help you develop it while you're on the team? How do you look at that portion of the hiring practice? Look, I think I think there has to be definitely a, a hygiene, a minimum bar in place, right? As I said, this is a highly technical field. Uh, so we obviously cannot bring in somebody with you know, generic skill sets, right? So that that won't work. However, uh, if you're looking for mastery at the stage of hiring, forget about everything else. The biggest problem and the roadblock that we'll face is mastery in what, right? 
if it is mastery in, in certain, you know, technologies or certain tech stack or certain clouds, tomorrow it will be a different one. So what I meant by mastery is, is, is more of a, of a mindset of, of achieving mastery. How do you, you know, kind of motivate people to be good and really, really excellent at certain things? How do you bring that mindset of excellence right, in people? So, so when you're hiring somebody, you have to look for those mindset, those, you know, kind of the softer skills or traits rather than the hard skills. I mean, as I said, you know, you, you don't, cannot compromise on the hygiene. Yeah, there has to be a standard. But if you're looking for really, really the best as far as the technical skills are concerned, you may be good in the short term, but if there is no mindset, and I'm sure you, you know, you have, heard enough about the learning mindset and the fixed mindset and you know the expert mindset so this learning mindset is what we need because you know that will allow somebody to keep you know that mastery on for a longer period of time otherwise they're master today of certain things but tomorrow they are no longer relevant right i mean i can tell you from all these years that i have been in the industry you know when i started off you know the the what you you know really aspired to have your mastery on some of the you know the technological things, some of the mathematical things, not not used at all in the in the in the world today, right? So, so you have to you know kind of constantly evolve with with time, and and that is important to look for when you're hiring. Yes, it's kind of become a joke in the technology industry, which is you can ask somebody their first programming language and get an idea of what their age is, right? So it just shows the the fast evolution of how things so quickly evolve. No, I mean, I'll share another joke, you know, kind of when I, when I go and talk to college students, right, I mean, people mm -hmm. who have just started their career, I tell them, look, whatever you are learning today, by the time you pass out, may not be the most relevant ones that you should be learning. So, and that, that's true, that, that's, that's how, how fast the world around us is changing. And I think that just goes back to why it's so essential to have that curiosity mindset, because it's always going to be evolving, right? So if you're not curious even about that new technology and the new process and way of doing things, it's going to be really easy to get behind technology. One more thing I want to highlight on this is we're all data people here. And so when I hear things like mastery, we can, we can measure mastery for technical skills, but how do we measure autonomy and purpose and curiosity, right? We, we want benchmarks as data people to say, okay, we're hitting these goals. We're giving people autonomy. Do you have any kind of leading indicators that you try and look at to say, okay, we're really being guided by these principles and effective in leading this way with our teams. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it, there's no easy, you know, kind of easy cookbook that I can, I can really hand over here, as you can understand. And, and, and you, you mentioned a very important point. I think when it comes to building high caliber teams, when it comes to looking for the right team members, I think being data people, being, you know, kind of left brain, most of the time work against us, right? So we have to probably, you know, steer ourselves away from, you know, a heavy left brain approach to a very balanced approach of, of not just the IQ, but IQ and EQ as, as people talk about. But having said that, look, there are, there are different ways, you know, and every, every individuals have their own style. Uh, let's talk about curiosity to start with, right? So, so I, I mentioned, and it is very easy to say that look for curiosity, look for curiosity. One way that I have found, you know, that you can have at least some way to measure curiosity is for an individual, 
is there something that they are really, really passionate about? And, and it could be anything. It could be, it could be photography. It could be, you know, cycling. You know, it could be somebody is very passionate about some sports. Somebody can be passionate about, you know, I, I, I meet somebody who is passionate about collecting dry leaves, right? And different kind of dry leaves across the world. And, and, you know, he had photo on his phone on the scrapbook. You know, you can, you can figure out the amount of passion and interest in at least in one area. Uh, that to me is, is a great indicator of, of curiosity, to be, to be honest, right? That if somebody has been passionate on one area, you can channelize that right into something else, provided you can give them the purpose. So, so now, you know, kind of that's a good segue to talk about purpose. I think the best measurement or a baseline to see if you're doing a good job with giving a purpose is to measure some kind of a motivation level of the team, right? Motivation is directly proportional to purpose. I mean, if you can ensure that the purpose is well understood, the right kind of people will be motivated, right? And, you know, if somebody is not motivated by that purpose, I think somewhere they have to fall off the chart and, and you keep building with people who are motivated by that purpose. Not, as I said, you know, kind of not that everybody will be motivated by the purpose that you have. But you need people you know, in your team who are motivated by the purpose that you are kind of driving, right? So, so that's about purpose. Autonomy is, is, is you know, is, is, is a very, you know, kind of, uh, you know, is a little bit superfluous thing, you know, again, around us. Uh, again, the best way to, to measure that is, is through constant feedback from your team members. Um, you know, do they feel, you know, kind of empowered? Do they, because, because, you know, one way to, one way to measure that you can't measure each of these elements separately, but obviously the outcome of the team speaks for itself, right? And, and you rightly said, there are teams that you say, this is a high functioning team, you know, great team. If you dive deeper, you'll see that they are scoring high on each of these dimensions, right? Uh, but yeah, unlike mastery, where you can put up a score that in a score of one to 10, you know, how, how good are you in Python? How good are you in, you know, kind of you know, Spark and how good are you, in, you know, on, on some of the cloud technologies? Uh, unfortunately, you can't put up a measuring scale over there. But, but look for, you know, what is the motivation level of the team? I'm sure there are many ways to at least gauge motivation. That's, that will tell you if you're giving the right purpose. And, and curiosity, I already talked about, you know, kind of you can try and understand if there are areas that somebody is very passionate about. And, you know, autonomy is something that can only come through feedback that, you know, are you, are you stifling people? Are they feeling, you know, kind of that I'm being, you know, put into a straight jacket or I can, I'm not saying that you have to fly, but, but you can at least swim around, right? I mean, you at least have to get that feeling. I want to go back to something you mentioned, which is the technology industry is always evolving and changing. So one of the ways I think that to best predict the future is you have a lot of experience in the past and see the evolutions and cycles it's gone through, right? I think Gartner is very famous with its hype curve and how we all go through these cycles, particularly in the technology industry. So given all of your experience working in analytics and AI, where do you see the field evolving in the next decade? So it's a great question. Um, I, can, I can only honestly, you know, kind of take a shot at next four to five years. Who knows what the next decade really holds for us? And I'm being, you know, brutally honest here, uh, you know, even... Five years back, if somebody would have said these are the things that are going to happen in five years, they are changing their you know kind of uh, predictions, and that's that's a testament to the fact that how fast the world is changing, how fast things people are adopting. 
But uh, again, as, as, you, as you rightly said, if I if I go back, you know, five years, ten years, fifteen years, right, and see the motion over a period of time, you can clearly see certain trends, right? Um, first and foremost, uh, you know, data is becoming pivotal and at the center of everything, right? It, it is obviously no longer a good to have, which was the case probably even 10 years back. You know, yeah, it, it's good if I can, you know, kind of get some data-driven insights, but uh, today, you know, it is becoming like like as center as possible, right? So so, so that is, and it is, it is continuously going to move in that direction where data is right going to be in the center. The other thing which is which is happening is is this field, uh, you know, which was thought of as a as a very very, um, you know, very very left brained you know kind of an area, very very highly technical. You know, you need to have a grasp on the latest and the greatest technology. The the interesting news, I won't say good news or bad news. The interesting news is that more and more what was thought of as the crux of this whole field is being done by machines more and more, right? I mean, and, and, and that's that's what this whole, you know, AI hype that, you know, I, I won't call it hype, the AI, you know, kind of the wave that you're seeing is doing. So that so the core of the of the doing part of it, the production part of it, which is about, you know, writing a fantastic piece of code, creating some great algorithms, right? I mean, creating a, a very, very, you know, powerful, you know, kind of a dashboard, all of those, more and more are being done by machines and that is the way it is going to evolve. What that means is answers are not going to be you know, as important as the questions because you know, the machine will find the answers as long as you know to ask the right questions. Now, I'm not saying it in a you know, chat GPT environment of asking questions and answers. I am talking about what I know the best, you know, I, I know the enterprise tech world. I know solving real business problems, right? That's what I've been doing for all these years. So in that world, I think what is going to be important as far as AI analytics is concerned is what are the right problems to be addressed? What are the right questions to ask? What is the right data elements to bring into the picture? How do I create some of... So there is a lot of these upfront activity which, you know, the... The data scientists or the engineers in the past have, you know, not really, you know, like they said, okay, give me data, give me a problem, let me get into it and I'll find the best solutions. Believe me or not, I'm sure, you know, I'm preaching to the choir. Most people would know already that a good part of that is done by machines today. So what happens before and what happens after? That after you have got a, you know, great outcome, a great predictive model, how do you leverage that? How do you create strategies out of that? How do you convert that into a, business language so that it is interpretable. I think those will become far and more and more important. I, I, I call this like a, you know, like a, like a, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a foodie. So all of my examples has to you know, go to food in some way. Like, like this is your, this classic, like a burger, right? The, the breads that you have ignored so far are, are becoming more and more important. That's the evolution that is happening. I mean, the, what we all thought as the patty in the middle and the meat of it is, is being done by, done by machines. So, so that's, that's really the evolution and, and it is going to be all-encompassing. You know, data is going to be the center of anything that you talk about, not just, you know, marketing, supply chain, specific outside-looking activities, internal activities, you know, HR, operations, you know, everything. Everything is, is 
being governed and, and driven by data. Yes, I think that's such a great insight and so well put because it's just simple that people can grasp of questions are going to be more important than necessarily the answers, right? And answers. so, you know, I think yeah. if I was a data scientist, I would start thinking about that, right? Because a lot of times you you said it accurately. They're just interested in getting the data and getting to the answers and coming up, I think of it, coming up the tech stack a little bit in their work in terms of really understanding yeah. the business and getting to the heart of those questions. So, yeah, I think it's an exciting time because then it, it really feels like only our our only limitation is our imagination, right? In terms of what are those questions we can come up Very with. Very well said. And it just goes back to your point of the need for curiosity of, of how we started. <laughs> so I love how it all ties together. I'm just talking about you personally. You know, you've worked in the analytics industry for over 25 years. Um, I've co-founded a couple companies and what keeps you motivated in this space? How did you fall in love with it? And what what keeps you going in this space? Uh, great question. I, I don't think I have I have thought about it very deeply. You know, when something is too deep inside you, right? I mean, you 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 look at it as a way of life almost. But uh, if I if I if I look back and and think about it, the the fact that looking at data, you, know, you can figure out certain trends or certain things that are happening in a bigger enterprise world has always fascinated. So one way is to, you know, for you to be part of an enterprise. So I'll just give you an example, right? So uh, say you are McDonald's and, and you are the you know head of marketing in McDonald's. So you are part of that enterprise. You know, you know what are your latest marketing campaigns? You know, kind of what is happening, what is not happening. So, so you are in the middle of it. But the beauty of, of what we do is that even if you are not in the middle of that enterprise, by purely looking at, at data and data trends, you can discover a lot of things that are happening, a lot of things about what are my customers telling about it, what are they liking, what are they not liking, right? Without even talking to those customers, right? I mean, the age-old traditional way is that, you know, I go and ask Sadie, Sadie, do you really like this particular product that I've launched, right? You, you'd give an answer which, you know, at that point may be true, but a few days later, it may not be true with you as well, right? You find something else. But looking at data over a certain period of time, you can, you know, figure out so much more about a business that being in that business, you sometimes may miss out on. I think that was always very fascinating to me. And particularly when you narrate those findings or those insights and those predictions, to somebody who has been in that business for 20 years or 25 years and they're nodding their head and saying, yeah, I think that is what is happening. But I, I think I had a hunch, but I never knew that that's, that's true. That's when that has always been, you know, kind of really the time that I've been looking for. So, so I think, as I said, you know, uh, you know, I, I, by, by training, I'm, I've been trained in, you know, mathematics, statistics, uh, economics, you know, which are obviously some of computer science. So, so those are the key ingredients for sure. So, so given my training, it was, I would say, more natural to, to you know, kind of at least start looking for opportunities in, in this space. And I say that I've been very lucky to be in that space very early on when this was, a, you know, at a very, very nascent stage. You know, even today it is a nascent industry. I'm talking about 25 years back. You know, people were not talking about AI and machine learning as if you know, it is the most common words in the English dictionary, right? I mean, that's, that's how they are used today. Uh, but 
as I said, you know, though naturally I was, you know, gravitated towards this, what really excited me, what kept me, you know, kind of going and, you know, really been the early players in a previous company, you know, co-founded the math company and continue to be excited about it is the fact that, you know, you can be an outsider, but you can know so much about, you know, when it is somebody else, it is about an enterprise, about a company, about a function, you can find so much of what is happening around them, right? What is working? What is not working? What are the customers saying? I think that is fascinating to me and that being used for making decisions by some of these largest enterprises, that keeps me going. Yeah, I, you and I share a common trait there. So I started off my career as a research analyst and a lot of times we were get, collecting data from surveys and I, I felt very similar. As one day it's an individual may say, yes, I like this. And the next day, no, I don't. And so I kept always saying, how do I get to the data? How do I get to people's behaviors, right? Because, you know, I think as individuals, we all have good intentions, but things come out of our mouth and answers come out quite easily, right? Before we ever took the time to really think, wait, what do I actually do, right? But the data shares that story, right? Nothing shares that story more than what what are people doing in their actions, right? And so I, I love, I love what we're able to do with data because of that. And also the second part is really being able to break myths. So I remember I worked at a large insurance company and they had this kind of age old myth in the company where anytime claims were down, they said it was because of bad weather in the South, right? And so we said, well, actually we can start to pull that in because we have weather data now that's free and available. And we can start to see, is this true? Or is this one of those kind of, you know, industry or age old myths that we come up with as an excuse that we need to bust. And so, you know, it came to find out that the weather was not what was having an effect and allowed us to be curious and go find other um, reasons for why that was happening. But just the power of what you can do when you have the data, right? When you have the answers, um, just the insights that you're able to generate. So I love that. I wanted to go back just a little bit. Right now, there's a lot of hype around AI. And I feel like, you know, every day, I am opening an application or a product and they've implemented some type of large language model in it or some type of, you know, chat GPT like feature. As a leader, should I be jumping on the AI train and making sure I'm implementing it into my business? How do you know if you should be thinking kind of fast in this area or thinking a little bit more slow and strategically? What are you advising companies to do at this time? Great question. Um, I think today, everybody is at least talking about it, right? So any conversations that we are having at any level, uh, I don't think that conversation is complete without some part of that conversation, if not the whole conversation is about AI and you know what it can do for me and things like that. I think what we are advising our clients, our you know, kind of companies that we work with is that, look, first of all, you know, I, I, think, I think I see two school of thought, right? There is still a school of thought who feels this is all hype and this will go away. Okay. I, you know, unfortunately, there is still, uh, you know, kind of a, a constituent like that. And there's another constituent who feels this is, this is, this is it, right? I mean, this is going to, you know, kind of change the world for good forever and that is going to happen in the next two days right so uh, i think i think both of these are extreme views first of all 
it's clearly not a hype, you know. You know, this is going to change things. Things are going to evolve. But but let's not, you know, jump into it for the, for the sake of it. I think now what I'm seeing is that, you know, based on many reasons, and most of the time it's because of the external pressure, environment, you know, uh, the senior leadership board asking for what are you doing about AI and in particular about GNAI. People want to do something quickly, right? Um, I think what is what is going to be very very important is is really pick the and and for every customer I think the applications are different, right? When I say customer, I not only mean a company, but if I am head of supply chain vis-a-vis, if I'm I'm heading marketing vis-a-vis, I'm head of human resource, the power of Gen AI or power of AI can be absolutely leveraged or should be leveraged, but but the answer it cannot be the same. Answer has to be contextual to my world and to my problem. So what we are doing at least with all of our customers is, is saying that look, two things. You, you cannot jump into it. To, to your earlier questions you cannot move too fast. But you cannot move too slow either because you know the window of opportunity is not going to stay for long because if you are not going to do something and this for my customers is true as well, your competition will do something, right? And, and you know kind of they'll probably get an edge and and you may be lagging behind. So you need to still move quickly, fast enough, right? With a sense of purpose, right? You cannot be just strolling on the on the highways thinking that, okay, I will go there. And see, you can't do that, right? But do it with a purpose. Do it, you know, kind of with a meaning. Let's, let's you know, kind of sit down, let's try, and which we're doing. We're doing, you know, kind of a bunch of workshops to one, first educate people about what it is. I think there is still a need for good amount of education because a lot of people are, Hearing about it, you're here, you're seeing the end products, but what it does, what is it really in the back end? I I feel that you know not everybody really understand large language models as well, right? What a what a OpenAI Chat GPT does vis-a-vis what a custom large language model can do. I think some amount of education is absolutely necessary, and with that education, you know there has to be an exploration of what those right use cases, right areas that you need to pick where, you know, kind of this has to be applied and where the ROI is going to be the maximum. You know, you can, you can apply this and create a shiny object, but at the end of it, it is, it is not making a difference. If it is not going to make a difference, then it will die out very soon, right? You can quickly jump into and, and do a POC, you know, everybody may be excited. Oh, wow. You know, kind of things are happening like a magic, but it is not making a real difference, right? So, so that I think is something that you have to keep. No, I think that's great advice. It's, I don't know why right now, especially in the West, our world often seems polarized. We're even seeing that in the take that people are taking with AI, right? Which is like, hey, it's going to save the world and happen tomorrow or don't even worry about this. And I love your your, your it, approach. Yeah. And, you know, it's somewhere in the middle, but also always tying it back to the ROI, right? It's so easy to create a shiny object. I mean, these models, there's many open source models with hugging face and what's available. It's it doesn't take long to implement, but implementing back to your original point too about, you know, what is that question you're asking? What is that problem you're trying to solve? That is the hard work. And that's where we need to be thoughtful and take the time to be able it, to it's, do it. It's very hard. Yeah, it, it's very hard. And and then you have to realize that not every question can be answered using AI, at least not using AI yet, right? There are some questions where it has great applicability and there are, you know, many where it, don't yet have applicability. But let's not forget that this whole thing is also evolving. You know, we I just keep telling people that, okay, you know, for many, AI means chat GPT. 
unfortunately. But but you know, you know, even between GPT three and GPT four, we have seen so much of you know advancement, so much of progress. But think about when it is GPT ten, GPT fifteen. You know, kind of what will what will come. So so you know, kind of let's let's be on the on the on the on the front end and and you know look for what is happening, leverage it to our best ability. Uh, ignoring it is not a good idea. You know, getting overwhelmed is not a good. Yep, great advice. This has been a fantastic conversation. I am. I think there's so many nuggets for individuals to take from this, and I hope that you took some notes. You know, some of my favorite points are just in regards to your framework for building high caliber teams, and you know how we need to have a mindset moving forward, kind of in this next age of AI that we're entering, and really thinking deeply about the questions. As we wrap up today, is there any advice you have for leaders? Kind of one last piece of advice, you know, in terms of building those high caliber analytics and AI teams. No, I think I think the main main advice I would say is, uh, you know, uh, no, don't don't look for, uh, you know, very clear objective frameworks for everything. You know, there are areas, as I said, you know, which which are not measurable, but you need to develop a feel for that. You know, there is a very, very important role of EQ in this whole world of building high caliber teams. And keep in mind that while technical skills are important, you already, you know, kind of we discussed about it. It is very important to look for curiosity, to look for learning abilities. Uh, going forward, you know, if, 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 if there is a young data scientist who, who asks me, what should I do? What should I learn? I tell them, learn design thinking, like, you know, understand, you know, human behavior, do behavioral studies, you know, things that otherwise would have been, you know, quite opposite to the hardcore tech and the math that people would have done. So my request to the leaders is, please look at, you know, kind of these more holistically. Uh, that is going to be very critical for the future, for sure. It is already important, but definitely more and more important for the future. Great advice. And if anyone's looking for inspiration, I'd encourage everybody to go over to themathcompany.com. One, I love the I love the company name. I think it's perfect, right? That's the one thing that stays true is math, no matter what, you know, the algorithms and the terms we use may change, but underneath it is all math. They have some great use cases in terms of the automotive industry, consumer product goods, healthcare, retail, tech, and media. Um, so if you're looking just for some inspiration and um, ideas in terms of the capabilities of what you can do with this technology. Um, that's a great place to start. So, Dan, thank you again for coming on. This has been a pleasure, and I look forward to more conversations. Thank you. It's, it's my pleasure, and thanks for inviting me. And again, thank you to our audience and all our listeners. Remember to stay curious and keep learning, and we'll catch you next time on the Data Bytes podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Data Bytes podcast. If you're looking for more resources to further your data career or find your tribe, we encourage you to become a member at womenindata.org. See you on the other side.